This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And welcome to another edition of Nerdificent from Home. I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez, and sitting in another part of LA is. Oh, it's your boy, Ify Wadiway, holding it down. Crispy sound, smooth, because you know your boy got that condenser mic. Great setup, sounding good. You're like, Ify, are you still in the studio? No, we're practicing social distancing, and we are socially distant. And I think. We're talking about the perfect hero today because this hero is very distant. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's just socially distant. He is emotionally unavailable. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> in many ways. And to talk with us about that, he has been on our podcast many a times. He's been a host at Nerdist and for DC Daily. It is Hector Navarro. Thank you guys Ooh. so much for having me. I'm also at home social distancing with my setup. Apologies if it doesn't sound as crispy's as if dogs or Danny's, but I'm trying my best and I'm so Same. excited to talk about the thing we're about to talk about. Also, y'all should know, um, I think I said last time that my friends are like, have been treating veggies like drug deals and being like, yo, I got you some spinach. Um, today, Hector dropped off like a pound of spinach on my front doorstep. <laughs> I know it's, it's been fun uh, seeing all the different ways friends are helping each other. Like I, uh, uh, my buddy Grant from College Humor was saying that, you know, he's running for exercise, but his shoes, you know, have been hurting his heel because he, none of the stores are open to buy proper running shoes. And I was like, what mm. size do you wear? And he was like 13. And I was like, oh, I have a 13. And lo and behold, I had like some running shoes I bought because I thought they looked cool. And the thing about like, wearing like sneakers just to wear them like shoes that are meant for things like running uh don't actually like like they're comfy but like you, they don't make it in the rotation often so i was able to hook him up with some running shoes well you know who also wears running shoes <laughs> <Danny>. <laughs> solid segue we're talking about the cape crusader the dark knight batman the man of the man made of bats you know what <laughs> not to cut you off danny 
But I want to, you know, we obviously there isn't much to geek out about right now because Mm -hmm. the world. But I think what would be fun to say is uh, what are you binging right now? You know, stuck inside. I'm curious because I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. In my head, Danny's just watching more Twilight Zone. (laughs) Not entirely. (laughs) I feel like that'd be a little too bleak for these times almost. Uh, Very. yeah. Are are you looking at something? Yeah. Are you are Danny? Are you finding some other means of escapism that's not the like you know, the 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 maybe too real Twilight Zone? Well, this is this is wild, but I actually find <laughs> this is I watch television in small amounts because I find it really triggering, and so um, because I also work in television, and so it's like you can't get away from it. And I'm still writing on a on a Netflix show right now, so we have to meet for hours on end, like in a Zoom conference call, which is great. I love my coworkers, but also like it's the not what I want to do when I get off that call. So. Um, However, I will say the thing that I'm geeking out about. So I like takes, I watch like one thing a day. I might like watch one episode of something or one movie. And last night I watched Uncorked, which is on Netflix. Prentice Penny, who's a showrunner for Insecure, um, wrote and directed it. It's amazing. It's about a son whose dad wants him to take over his barbecue business, but he wants to be like a a wine, uh, what is it called? A sommelier. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's really awesome. And my favorite thing is like they have not only do they have like a dope soundtrack, but they also have like French rap, French rap music in it. And Prentice is just really dope. And I like him a lot. And I love this movie. I actually like truly I was thinking about it today, like a day after I watched it. So it's great. That's great. I bought uh, the first season because it's not available on DVD, even though I love my physical media. I had to resort to buying digitally the first season of a cartoon show I loved growing up that Abby, my girlfriend, has never seen. So I bought the first season of Jackie Chan Adventures on oh, Amazon. Wow. That, and that we, was a and slapper. It is so good, dude. It still holds up surprisingly well. So that's that's what we've been kind of binging right now. It's real fun. Because again, if, you, if you've never seen the show, it's so delightful because at the end of each episode of an animated adventure where Jackie Chan is kind of like a like a pseudo archaeologist, but he's also like a martial arts, but not really. He's just kind of a like a like a befuddled like, you know, he doesn't want any trouble type of a guy. Um, at the end of each episode, live action footage cuts to Jackie Chan like training in his dojo. And there's a little kid voiceover like, hey, Jackie, and then asks him a question like, do you like dessert? And then it's Jackie Chan answering like, yes, ice cream, tiramisu, tiramisu. And it's so adorable and it makes yeah. us feel real good. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's some good stuff. Uh, you, well, you'll be happy to know since you love physical media that I went and got, uh, I actually bought a few anime, but the main ones that I was super hyped about is, and I had to go on, and this is kind of what led me down the path of getting so many Blu-rays now, is I was trying to watch Big O, which was one of my mm. favorite like anime, which is which is I'm glad I'm talking about it now because it's literally just Mech Batman. Like you can really looking at it, you can <laughs> tell that they were definitely probably inspired by like Batman the animated series. And if not, it's the wildest coincidence because it all it has that kind of like that kind of ga- Gatsby that like Neo Gatsby esque kind of vibe to it. Mm. Um, and and so I I was trying to stream it. It was nowhere, absolutely nowhere. You could not stream it. Yep. I was like, well, then it's time. So I was able to find the 20th 
uh, the 20th anniversary Blu-ray complete series uh, Steelbook uh, on eBay in pristine condition. Shout out to that seller. Uh, and it has like an art book that went with it. And then on top of it, I got my favorite anime of all time, which, you know, I get I, I get lots of flack because DBZ is my second favorite. Yeah. <gasps> DBZ is my second favorite. My first favorite anime of all time is Goran Lagan. And I have the they came out with this super dope multi-disc uh, set. And I've just been watching through it all weekend. And it's just as gorgeous, just as beautiful as it as. As I remember, I thought I was like, maybe this isn't going to be as tight to me because it's been a while. But no, it's so good and it's it's great. And it's so funny because like now that I've kind of been watching a lot of anime, I can see why I love DBZ and all these anime because the through line and a lot of my favorites is the idea of hope and holding inside of it, which makes it a good watch for times like now because mm-hmm. it, it really is like, especially like Tenjin Top and Goren Lagan, where it's like, it really is like you know just believing in yourself and making the impossible happen and it's yeah it's solid i'm about to be i'll be finished with it by today and then i'm just gonna watch the two movies with it and uh just probably like uh, go through my favorite moments again and then finally knock out big o if you're such a good dude <laughs> don't encourage him no i'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know who else is a good dude <laughs> danny it's um <laughs> jingle bells Batman <laughs> rules am i right friends yes hey yeah. everyone it's danny fernandez here with nerd <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about batman because you know we've actually been doing uh nerd for two years it's our two-year anniversary oh yeah kind of crazy mm-hmm. we've never talked about batman <laughs> yeah um, you know, we try to talk about things like The Flash or Shazam or like, you know, characters that don't have decades worth of uh, television and movies. Right. Yeah. But- I'm, I can almost I can like see where like why it took us so long to get to Batman, because it's what what's interesting about Nerdificent and what I love about it is how it evolved, because I feel like before it was like more of a like introspective deep dive maybe find something that you didn't know type and that as we've grown we've realized that uh one deep dive like everyone has that that's like there's there's a whole website there's wikias all that what's fun is seeing the relationship to the characters and mm. kind of like going beat for beat with uh people who are passionate about it of like the you know how it came to be and then really waxing poetic on how we feel about these characters Mm -hmm. so i can see why we wouldn't want to deep dive one of the most visited characters in all of media Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah totally no i like Um, that i like that approach of trying to uh talk about a personal connection because if you guys had like you're saying, Ify and Danny, like almost avoided talking about this subject up to this point. It is because there are so many people who know so much about Batman. And even outside of movies, which there are millions and millions and millions of movie fans and pop culture fans, I find that the people who like these kinds of characters and superhero characters at that surface level of like, well, I've seen all the movies or I've seen the cartoon show. And there's usually a deeper level than that of like, well, have you read comic books of these characters that I found that most people who love Batman at that surface level, out of all the people who love superheroes at the surface level, 
Batman is the one that gets people to go, well, I'll read their comic too. I'll pick up a comic yeah. book. So it's like, it re it really is surprising and not surprising sometimes, but to, to run into people and go, yeah, I love the Christopher Nolan movies. No, my Batman is Michael Keaton. And then they, they in that same breath, they go, yeah, and I love the Neil Adams run of Batman in the 70s. And oh man, like Death in the Family in the 80s was awesome. And I love the stuff that you know, that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo were doing recently in the comic, like they go so deep with it that it is difficult to like educate people about this character. Cause I feel like if a person likes, even likes Batman, they have almost already done that homework on their own. And everybody has a, like a, like a, like a base knowledge of what this character and world is. Yeah. I've, well, Hector, I was wondering if you wanted to walk people through, because we're going to get to your intro of him, which I could guess what it is. But uh, did you want to walk people through? Um, <laughs> not like you don't have a bunch of it at your apartment or anything, but did you want to walk people through his creation and absolutely. how he got started? 1939, <laughs> after the Great Depression. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. Yes, yes. But, but, but before the onset of World War II, Superman appears on the scene in Action Comics number one and changes the industry as we know it. And from the creation of Superman and his popularity uh, in comic books, which I think it's difficult to describe to people how popular this character was, you know, for, for modern day people today to, to, to try to explain to them, no, he was just appearing in comic books and was insanely popular. Um, the company that eventually became known as DC Comics was like, well, we need another character. And it was Bob Kane who came up with the name Batman and even came up with some preliminary sketches that were like, he had a character who had like red boots and a more of a bright, colorful costume. He, him collaborating with artist uh, and writer Bill Finger Bill Finger was the one to go, well, why don't we make him darker? Well, why don't we put him in gray and black and blue and try to contrast him with Superman? And I feel that it's really, really interesting to know that there is a little bit more of the let's let's add this stuff to the character to make him different from Superman than I think people know. Um, that they that they were really kind of, and then and then of course everything that be, that Batman did in comic books and beyond influenced how Superman was written and the stories were created with Superman. So both of these characters have been like not tugging and pulling on each other, but like making each other kind of better. And 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 when you put those two characters together, they have like shaped each other's ideologies so strongly that people understand Batman better when Superman is around and vice versa. So that's the origin. Is that like. Batman is a character who, when he was first appearing in comic books, Detective Comics number 27, 1939, I want to say, um, a, a little bit after Superman appeared in 38, but before Robin appeared in 1940, and we'll get to that, he, uh, he was a character who was clearly influenced by all of the pop culture that was happening up to that point. Things like The Shadow, who was like a pulp comics character, and things like... Um, uh, you know, Dracula and uh, Leonardo da Vinci's designs inspired uh, Bob Kane and how he was like, well, this is what the cape should look like. And those kinds of like, you know, like like mobster Dick Tracy types of disfigured villains and everything. That, and especially the comic strip, uh, The Phantom, who's another kind of pulp character, pulpy character with his like blank white eyes, which is another idea that Bill Finger contributed to the creation of Batman. All of these things culminated in this character who was almost like a picture it like this. If you took everything that 
that uh, sort of comic book writers and artists who were probably nerds back in the day, these guys who were just cranking out these stories to make a buck to try to pay the bills. If you took everything that they were influenced by and put it in a meat grinder and out came the other side, it would probably be Batman because it was just so clearly influenced by other things. But when it was all smashed together, it did end up becoming such a unique and as the decades went on and more people contributed to the concept, like such a unique and strong concept. And it's so surprising to, to know how much of it came from even those early, early comics, just like Superman, just like if you go to Marvel and read Spider-Man in the early 60s, 20 years later, so much of what Spider-Man is today still can be pulled from those first kind of stories and origins and everything. So, so Batman's a character in comic books. They are teaming him up with, you know, Superman and eventually Robin and eventually Wonder Woman and the Justice Society. And then you cut to when superheroes became less and less popular after the 50s and people were coming back from the war and McCarthyism and all of these things that were happening. Uh, the 60s changed the character with a couple of different ways. The main thing is, and before the 60s as well, in the 40s, there were still some movie serials that featured Batman. So he was like a film character. Um, well, Hector, I wanted to say why. So he was, he was, you know, I always see them as like Goku and Vegeta. They're like, you know, yes, opposites yes. of each other. But why then the detective aspect of him? Like it's such different than just the straight sure. Superman well, superhero. Again, it's because Superman was such a like brain meltingly new idea. And yet Superman was still drawing upon influences like Edgar Rice Burroughs you know, a princess of Mars, the John Carter of Mars series, where that's a guy who is from earth, goes to Mars, there's less gravity. So he can jump around and he has like super strength. It's just an inverse of that where somebody from an even denser planet than ours, Krypton comes here and it's classic sci-fi Buck Rogers style, Flash Gordon style influences. Batman, again, is just a reflection of what was happening at the time. Sherlock Holmes, you know, they're like huge sellers. These characters who we kind of take for granted today and think that they, that they, unless something like a Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock comes along and everybody gets excited about these characters again. But these characters had been around for like over a century, were like hot stuff back then and ended up influencing the kinds of stories that they wanted to tell with this character. And I think, again, a lot of that initial collaboration between Bob Kane and, and Bill Finger and there's been some controversy with like how much credit does Bill Finger get with because for decades it was Batman created by Bob Kane, Batman created by Bob Kane. And Bob Kane was almost like a Stan Lee. He was such a good salesman and such a good pitch guy and hype man that he sold himself as almost like the sole creator of Batman. Yeah. And people have, yeah, people have gone back and they're like, actually, no, dude, you're the one who came to him with an idea of like he should have red boots, like super. And Bill Finger was the one that was going <laughs> – how about we do this? How about we do that? And Bill Finger did so much of the art as well uh, yeah, and, the, and quote, the writing. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I was saying, no, yeah, please. the quote that we had was Bill saying, why not make him look more like a bat? Put a hood mm -hmm. on him. Because before he just had like a Robin mask, a domino mask. And then he was like, take the eyeballs out and just put slits for the eyes to make him look more mysterious. And that's like probably the staples of a Batman. Like he just yep. like that yep. is the blueprint. Every everything beyond that you know is cool but it's it's looking like a bat white eyes everyone goes like that's the biggest thing people were freaking out about was when the potential for this new movie to have just white eye batman mm -hmm. yeah. he also yeah did the cow the most famous cow mm -hmm. um so this is uh finger also devised the name bruce wayne 
Yeah. Uh, so he said, this is a quote, Bruce Wayne's first name came from Robert Bruce, the Scottish, the Scottish patriot. Wayne, being a playboy, was a man of gentry. I searched for a name that would suggest colonialism. I tried Adam Hancock. Then I thought of Mad Anthony Wayne. He later said his suggestion was influenced by Lee Folk's popular The Phantom, a syndicated newspaper comic strip character with which Kane was also familiar. Yeah, it, that doesn't surprise me either because – in the same way that Superman, Clark Kent, is supposed to be the ideals of America in, in the sense of like he's a good person raised by good people with good morals and, and, um, and, and good uh, lessons, and he is an immigrant. It's an immigrant story. Batman is another part of the American dream that is essentially a false American dream, but it's still one that like people in the United States have bought into since the beginning of the United States, which is if you work hard, you can become a billionaire. You can become a self-made man. And that is not uh, true. Um, and Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is this great fantasy of like being a responsible and cool billionaire. Um, right. And uh, and so that is just as much of a, a, a part of his appeal, I think. And like his popularity is that people, whether knowingly or not, they subconsciously see that and they go, it's just like, it's escapism. It's just like James Bond, sure. But especially the fact that he is a, superhero character and superheroes are an american unique creation uh our popular culture was the one to create these these modern superhero characters and put them in cities and you know and then the rest of the world did their own takes and and they're all valid but to have a story where it's like here's a guy who who has billions of dollars loses his, his parents so only with an with a tragedy will he decide to actually do something about social ills oh, only after it happens to him otherwise he would not have cared because he's a billionaire and his life was set. And afterwards he goes around the world and trains and becomes someone who has a physically perfect body. He was already a genius to begin with because, you know, most billionaires are and their families, you know, have given them genes of like his father was a doctor and his mother was brilliant. And so he's a super genius. Then he goes around the world and becomes the world's greatest detective studying with people like at one point, even Sherlock Holmes himself has been sort of written into the story. And he's gone to Scotland Yard and he studied, you know, how to do CSI type technology and everything. And then on top of that, he's one of the world's greatest mechanics and he builds a super souped up unique car and then his own plane and all this other stuff. So for decades and decades and, de and decades, Batman has been a character who is fun to imagine this type of person with wealth, you know, giving back to the world and the city he grows up in because he loves the city and he's trying to make better. And I found that really only in the past, I would say, 20 years. Have there been stories that have attempted to be like, well, let's talk about him being a billionaire for a second. Let's talk about how else he uses his money instead of just gadgets. Here he is giving to orphanages. Here he is, you know, trying to build the city in different ways. And why doesn't he uh, share more of his money? Why does he feel so um, focused and driven that he believes he's the only man capable of doing this mission he's doing? He does not even have superpowers. And I feel like sometimes those stories are str they're stronger for that exploration. The, the, the right. fact that it goes inward to Bruce Wayne and go, he's honestly flawed and that he is so arrogant for better or worse that he thinks he's the only man who can do this stuff, which explains why he, you know, he is personality wise the way that he is, where he's so shut off from people. And, and at the same time, he is also kind of full of crap because he has this extended family, Robin and Batgirl and Batwoman and Alfred and another Robin and another Robin and all these different characters that become just as important to the whole Batman world. But anyway, but that's kind of talking about his inception, the fact that he is a billionaire. And I feel like it, it, it's just, again, it's another great contrast between him and Superman. 
right? Superman is an immigrant who comes from, he's the salt of the earth. You know, uh, he, he, he comes from nothing and only wants enough to be able to have an apartment in Metropolis and, you know, maybe someday get married to Lois. But like he cares about helping people selflessly. And Batman helps people selfishly because he, you know, he, he, he always has the plan and he always. But to, again, to Batman's credit to this character and the story idea from the beginning is, well, the police is corrupt in Gotham City. And that's a really uh, poignant and, and interesting, you know, story as to how eventually Batman came to deal with, um, with uh, like authority and with police and everything. So, so going back to sort of the history, he's a character in comic books for decades and decades. And then in the 60s, he gets that big TV show. Adam West, that 60s, 1966 is when that show premieres. And a lot of hardcore Batman comic book fans that would see the show as kids or see the show when it was coming out at first didn't like it because it was very camp. And this is a character who who was born in a, a, a much darker and more serious tone. And eventually the comic books sort of reflected a lighter tone and the show picked up on that. And then after the show came out, the comics continued to sort of do that to reflect what the very popular TV show was doing. And so Batman has had these little mini revolutions in his comic book world where yeah, it's almost like a pushback to what's happening. And a writer and artist will come along and go, we're, we're going back to basics. He's darker. He's doing detective work. It's not about, hey, ho, chum and, and, and you know, Jiminy Jilliger. You think that he you know? has to be like that? Because it seems like those are, aside from Adam West, who seems like one of the only people that can pull that off. Right. Yeah. It just seems like it's not possible to do Batman like campy or lighthearted like now with like it, like so if the next batman movie came out do you think that they could do that and not have it be as dark um i i will, I will say this i think you need to have there's two components right there's the character himself batman bruce wayne and then there's the world that he operates in and i think one of the two needs to be serious and the other one can be more lighthearted or heroic or um cheesy or corny or childish as long as the other one is still and let me try to explain that if if on the one instance you have a cheesy corny batman to my mind the world should be a little bit darker than superman's world and for me a cheesy corny batman is somebody who he's kind of like iffy he's this big buff dude who you think is just a total badass he could probably take on a gorilla strength to strength but the important thing is is that batman has a heart of gold like He's a he, he's almost a liar in that he lies to the people around him and he lies to himself, almost like the first few seasons of the show Dexter, where he was a serial killer who was like, I can't have right. a family. I can't have emotional attachments. And then he has that. And you're like, what are you thinking, dude? You you have the stuff that you say you're not capable of because you think you're a monster when you're not. To me, those are some of the most inspirational, beautiful stories of Batman where he can come through and he decides I'm not going to succumb to the depths of this city. I'm not going to murder somebody. I'm not going to exact my personal revenge or vengeance. I'm not going to, I'm going to continue to believe that people are good. And those stories I think work really well, but that means that, yeah, the world can be a little bit darker and the world has to be a little bit dark. That's to me, to my, in my opinion, I think that's why a lot of the Ben Affleck Batman story stuff didn't work for me, even though Ben Affleck looked so much the part and he, he's an incredible actor. And I think he was very well cast in the role that story had a world where it was already dark and cynical. And then this Batman himself is dark and cynical. And I know that the whole purpose of that story is like, well, once Superman died, he becomes inspired to blah, 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 blah. And I feel like that's fine. I think it works on paper. It just didn't, it just didn't work for me in that movie. 
and I, it kind of made the, the the follow-up, which was Justice League, the movie, a little bit sort of uneven with a bunch of other problems. But to go back to the other example, if there's a world that is really corny and cheesy, like a 1960s Adam West world, if there is a uh, Batman who is a bit more serious, but he still operates in that superhero world, I think it works beautifully. And the example is the cartoon show, Batman, the Brave and the Bold. That cartoon show came out after many, many years of Kevin Conroy's Batman. So I think a lot of Bat fans didn't really take to it immediately. They were like, what is this new thing? Actor Diedrich Bader from The Drew Carey Show and a bunch of other stuff, he voiced Batman. And he had a voice like this. And it was very cheesy and over the top. But he, as a character, was very like serious and driven and heroic. And the world around him was like every episode, he would team up with another DC superhero character. And the DC world is very colorful. It's very hopeful and optimistic. So one episode, he's teaming up with Aquaman. And Aquaman was voiced by John DiMaggio. And he played him like outrageous, like this adventurer. Come on, ho, ho, chum. And so it became this like like odd couple of like these heroes showing up and being very cheesy and Batman going, oh, this is why I work alone. And that was fun. And that worked. So, mm-hmm. so I think that if you move too far away from the darkness for Batman and it's both he himself, the character is very light and the world is light, then it's really just sort of like a Batman dress up for, for kids. And that's fine to kind of tell them like, hey, kids, here's the penguin. Here's the Joker. Here's Batman. Here's Robin. How fun is this? But it's not really like a real thing. Um, and if you go too light and optimistic with it, I think, you know, you, you move away from what makes Batman Batman. But if you again, if you go too dark with it, then Batman becomes a character who doesn't work with the rest of his world, which is the DC universe and it should be super heroic and it should be lighter. And, and really the DC universe to me is similar to the Marvel universe. They both are similar in tone. They have differences clearly, but they still kind of come from a lot of the same stuff. And so many of the same creatives have worked in both. So like, if you wanted, if you asked Hector, what do you think of when, in terms of tone, when you think about like the DC universe, I think honestly, it's, it's, if I were to explain it to regular folks who don't read comics, it is similar to like the MCU. There's a bunch of different characters. There's a bunch of different genres kind of in tone, but ultimately, you know what you're getting. It's superheroes being superheroes. So Batman still needs to sort of fit in that world. And if he goes too dark and too serious or too realistic and you move away from that, then there's something lost for the character as well. With Christopher Nolan, when he did his movies, he was completely separated from the rest of the DC universe. They were not concerned with that at all. But I think it still worked because Christopher Nolan and the storytellers made it a point to be like, Batman does not murder people. He doesn't kill. This, he still has a code. He still has, you know, a very kind of an unrealistic superhero-y, you know, th- these, these kinds of codes really only work in comic book stories because they're supposed yeah. to, you know, be for us. They're not, it's not a real, it's not a documentary. You know, if Batman were real and criminals were actually afraid of him, he would have to be a murderer. He would have to be somebody <laughs> who, you know, he would have to be somebody who like, who like, seriously harmed people and like and just so it's like so that batman should never be treated as like well what if he were real because he he's not that he has escaped right and i've he's, definitely yeah. gotten people angry on twitter by yeah. by suggesting that as you've seen sometimes i'm a troll and i'll just be like i think i've compared him to the not like compared him to the punisher but i was like his body count um yeah, sure people 
don't like when you bring up the fa- I'm like, if he punches a guy off a building, that person is dead. Absolutely. Like, I guess not in cartoon land, but like when he leaves someone face down in a puddle, that person is dead. Right. You know, like, <laughs> nobody likes to hear that, which is fine. I get it. And I just was like, I don't understand why you guys can't come to terms with this. And I love Batman. You know, I grew up like you on Batman the animated series. And I'm like, right. why is it so bad? And then people explained it just that way, Hector. They were like, right. it's so important that he doesn't kill. Like, And they were like, why Why does it have to be like the real world? We are saying this is a fantasy world. Correct. And for, purposely, like, it. why are you making us make it real? And I was like, yeah. okay, I get it now. Like, mm-hmm. the real world, our world, our news is like so messed up constantly and like you're saying if he were real he would murder a bunch of people and so i get what you're saying is there's no reason he's a fake he's a fictional character yeah. so like mm-hmm. just just live in the fantasy mm-hmm. so yeah well uh i i think speaking of fantasy we touched on the animated series and i want to pivot to talk about it but let's talk about it right after these messages this is it your moment This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Nerdificent. Got uh, Danny Fernandez, Hector Navarro, and we're talking about the Batman. Uh, we were uh, just talking about, you know, the different eras of the Batmans right into the movies. And, uh, you know, I just had some knowledge dropped on me that I didn't know that <laughs> the Batman was wearing some Jordan. I think these are sevens uh, <laughs> for the boots. Actually, these look more like, yeah, those are sixes. 
he had the sixes on uh for those yeah because they're the, the the like puffy part of the six is a little flatter that i'm losing my mind looking at this picture <laughs> but i feel like they were pretty popular whenever it um came out yeah that he oh, yeah. was wearing them um hector do you want to walk people through the tim burton yes michael keaton by the way is my batman my, I mean, the one that I remember the most at being a kid, aside from Batman animated series, was George Clooney, um, just because he was so hot in that moment. He was like so big. And so was um, the rest of the cast, like Arnold and stuff. Everybody was like such a big deal. But uh, and I had those little Burger King glasses. Wait, was that for the other one? Was that for the Val Kilmer one? Or did they do both? Maybe both. Maybe. OK. Yeah. Anyways. Um, the George Clooney one was like huge for me when I was little. Also, I had a crush on him. But I believe the first one that I saw was Michael Keaton. Yeah, um, of course. Well, again, to, to, to kind of do the big picture, like zoom out here, the 60s show had gave everybody on the planet uh, an idea of what Batman could be, a potential Batman. And for years, most people on Earth believed Batman to be that. And it was really those sort of hardcore comic book readers and comic book creators themselves, like the Neil Adams and, and Denny O'Neill that would come on and start writing the darker, more interesting, more realistic versions of the character. And that led to, in the 80s, a bunch of different things happening. So in 1978, Superman the movie came out and really sort of changed the game and was the first modern superhero film. And I almost think of it as like the silver age of superhero movies because if the golden age is everything that came before all of the different movie serials and you know different TV shows and little movies here and there. Superman was the one that brought us an era f up to about the year 2000. I feel like it's all the same era of superhero movies, like the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know that kind of thing. And then 2000 with X-Men and a little bit before Blade, but X-Men and Spider-Man changed it to like where we are today. So Superman, the movie came out and I learned this when I had a chance to talk to one of the producers of the first Batman movie um, uh, which was, I asked him, did the movie Superman make it easier or harder for you to get your movie made? And he said harder because everyone expected every superhero to follow that mold of the Christopher Reeve, really hopeful, really sweet, you know, heroic classic character. Again, kind of mirroring the comics, mirroring the comics as to what, you know, people may, may have thought. So in the eighties, uh, th throughout the late 70s and 80s, Michael Uslan and other people were trying to make this Batman movie happen, but they were trying to bring it back to that old school, darker, uh, more gothic version of the character. And in the 80s, uh, some comic book creators felt the same. And you came out with a couple of like one, two hits. You had things like Batman, the killing joke, which really kind of, you know, messed people's brains with like how dark it potentially was. It was Alan Moore writing that. Brian Bolland was an artist. Then you had like, uh, Dick Grayson becoming Nightwing and, and transferring from Robin and they brought in this new character and then they killed off the character because nobody liked Jason Todd. A lot of the creators didn't like him and apparently a lot of the fans didn't like him because he was written to be uh, a really like uh, chip on his shoulder type of character and it didn't quite click with readers. So they did this famous stunt where they in the back pages of one of the comics had a 900 number that fans could call to decide whether this character was going to live or die after he was like about to be killed by the Joker or he was caught in an explosion or whatever. And only by like 60 votes out of like, like 900 votes or something did the character get voted to die. So then the the news media picked up on that and they're like, wait, DC comics is killing Robin because people didn't know it wasn't the original Robin Dick Grayson. That character was still alive. 
and now he was Nightwing, and now he was on the Teen Titans. This was a new character, but it still get garnered enough of like media attention that the sales were huge. You know, the comic book publishers, which don't normally get this kind of attention, were like, "Whoa, this is this is great!" And it led to good stories. Where after this, Robin, Jason Todd died. Bruce Wayne, the character, was really affected heavily, and it sort of changed his stories. And then on top of that, genius comic book classic creator Frank Miller who was a, uh, a writer and artist on this piece that he did, was about to turn 30 years old back in the 80s, if you can believe it. He was only a 29-year-old young man turning 30. And in his mind, the character of Batman had always only been allowed to be 29 years old, right? DC Comics, they, they've never, up to this point, it's kind of unofficially, they never really wanted Batman to be too old. They wanted him to be in the comics, in the comics. I mean, Adam West, Adam West, Batman was not 29, (laughs) but but even the age of Batman has always been an interesting thing for fans to sort of debate and try to figure out because the comic book publisher, DC comics and various, you know, companies that have Batman, they don't want him to appear too old, but at the same time, he's supposed to have these years of history and experience underneath his belt. And Robin is supposed to be kind of like a son figure, but maybe like a younger brother because it's like, well, we don't want Robin to be too, too young. Maybe he, it, maybe if, if Batman's like 29, Robin can be like 17, you know? So it's, it's even trying to figure out the ages is always kind of fun and, 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 and can lead to some interesting stuff. So when Frank Miller was really sitting down and thinking about this and he goes, I don't want to be older than Batman. Batman has been older than me my whole life. You know, it's just like when we're kids and we would look up to the Ninja Turtles and then at one point we got older than the Ninja Turtles and now it's weird. They were also not teenage. Well, those were like, <laughs> those were like 32 year old <laughs> turtles. So Frank Miller was thinking the same thing. He was like, I want to do the story of like the last Batman story or a story where he's like a 60 year old guy. So he he wrote and drew The Dark Knight Returns after he had been retired for years in the in the future, you know, in a far future. Um, this alternate version of Batman story. And he comes back and he's got white hair and he comes back and he's this big burly dude. And, and so much of that influenced a lot of what um, ended up becoming a staple and like necessary in the world of Batman. And so these kinds of comics, right? You've got Batman, things like Batman year one, kind of, which Frank Miller did uh, a little bit before and after uh, the dark Knight returns. Um, where when all of DC Comics was kind of revamping their line, they're like, well, let's do a new, more serious origin for Batman. So they, so Frank Miller, again, he wrote and a different artist drew Batman Year One, which was a huge inspiration for Batman Begins. In fact, that first script, Batman Begins, I think was originally titled Batman Year One, I think. So, but back still, back in the 80s, Batman Year One, Dark Knight Returns, Batman the Killing Joke, Death in the Family, these kinds of comics were really changing the game. So when it came time to potentially do a Batman film, they helped. They helped influence the creators. They helped influence people like Tim Burton. And he was brought on as this young up-and-coming director. And And Michael Uslan for years had wanted to get Jack Nicholson as the Joker ever since he saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and they did it. And I mean, you can look up the sort of making of the first Batman film, and it's really, really special and really cool. And I know, Danny, you and I watched it maybe last year we did, yeah. um, for my movie podcast. And it's like so much of it still holds up, but so much of it is so interesting because I feel like we've moved even so much further in terms of what we expect from like a superhero movie. It still felt like it was early years, like they're figuring stuff out, you know? 
So, yeah, not only that, but like the portrayal of women. Yeah, I think, oh, yes. Just like not great. You know, we wouldn't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. just like <laughs> very much. Of course, the damsel in distress, mm-hmm. the like Playboy bunny mm-hmm. type of you know. But I will say um, to, to give credit to Michael Keaton, I did believe that he was flirtatious and could be in a relationship. Like that's another great thing that Michael Keaton brought to the role is that his Bruce Wayne is not. Oh yeah, he's yeah. so charming. And in fact, I would love it if a comedian could be Bruce Wayne. Like, you know, there was so much controversy, which we've talked about uh, on this podcast when he was cast because he was Mr. Mom and, uh, and a a comedian. And it, it, I think that that works super well. Mm -hmm. Same with all the comedians, like Jack Nicholson being the Joker, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and Jim Carrey, who I loved as the Riddler, Mm -hmm. which I guess not everyone has, but like, I really like comedy people playing these roles because like you said, it's so dark I also have this theory, Hector, that there's only one hour of daylight in Gotham. <laughs> it's just That's always awesome. nighttime. It's just yeah. always night. And it should be. <laughs> That's the difference between the first Batman yeah. film and the first, you know, the Superman early movie series, those first four movies with Christopher Reeve. It's like so much of Superman is in the daytime. And that's the whole the whole purpose of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at these pictures of him, like these old pictures of him, and this jawline is not a 28 year old. Okay. <laughs> um, like if he existed today, he would have a TikTok. Like I'm not okay with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, In my world, he's 40. I mean, I love a Batman who is 38 or 45. Like I love that because that just means you can have a Nightwing who's like 32 and a, a, a and a Red Hood who's like 30. And a you know a Damian Wayne who's like fifteen and like like I I don't mind all the years I don't mind to ha- you know have characters I don't mind a Superman who looks and acts forty five years old because I think that the DC universe is so great that there's so many other legacy characters Supergirl and Batwoman and Batgirl multiple Batgirls and all these different characters who can who can be like younger versions of the um, of the, the the template you know um, so anyway. Uh, but back to the, the the Tim Burton movie. One, two movies come out, Batman Returns. And with the success of these movies, Warner Brothers sort of greenlights uh, maybe doing a new animated show. And they so luckily had a bunch of nerds working on Animaniacs at the time. Animaniacs and Tiny Toons. Um, actually, it was Tiny Toons. It was what it was. And some of those folks went to go do Animaniacs. And some of those folks went to go do Batman the Animated Series. Bruce, Tim was sort of creating his own uh, pitch for it uh, with other artists. And, and the way I like to sum up Batman, the animated series is if you take the 80 years of Batman comic book history, because he premiered in 38. So we're, we're coming up on, uh, on, I don't know, we're, we're, we're now two years past uh, his 80th anniversary. If you took all of those years of comics and smushed it again through another meat grinder, but this is like a magical meat grinder with a filter. That's like only the good stuff will come out on the other end. What would come out of the other end would be Batman, the animated series. It is the perfect distillation of all of the best aspects of the character, of his world, of his supporting cast, of the villains and of the stories and the potential that they could be. And I feel like outside of comics and even better than the comics, it is the best entry level for the character. And it's the best like summary of like, oh, okay, this is what Batman is. Um, because there's been so many, so many comics that are great, but there's also years and years. People, you got to remember, they come out with a new comic book of Batman every single month, multiple. In fact, he has multiple series, Batman, Detective Comics, so on and so forth. So to, to meet that demand, it's like some of the stories are not going to be bangers. They're not going to be iconic. They're not going to be long lasting, but a lot of them are because 
so many great writers have contributed to the character and because his character and his his creation were so strong um so much of of what's added to the character doesn't like break him it just kind of adds to him and and so he's become stronger for that still but batman the animated series is like the greatest of all time yeah i mean also just like gorgeous like just completely beautiful have you seen any of the HD or blu-ray or whatever that like remastered it a couple years ago it looks great it looks so good um, no, you can let me borrow it because I know you own it. I will. I can and I will. Um, okay, so so then we're hopping into like kind of all the 90s films. And I personally, I've always go- gone to bat for these just because I feel as goofy as they are <laughs> and as much as people have a lot of debate about them. Because, you know, when when Nolan came along, it was like, oh, this is a Batman movie. This is how Batman should feel. This is who's done Batman right. But like the goofy ones, you know, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever – for me, those felt like the comic book. Like they're colorful. Mm-hmm. You know, we have um, Poison Ivy, like I said, like just very outland. And also, they sound like comic book characters. If you've read comics, they are corny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's how they sounded in these movies to me. And so I really actually enjoyed these a lot. And I wouldn't weigh them against the note. Like I, I just right. think they're so ways to do a comic book movie and this is one of those ways i agree yeah it's interesting you brought up that comparison too because like i love so many things about the christopher nolan movies and i love things about the old uh, batman films of the 80s and 90s as well but like a lot of the times you run into dudes who love the nolan movies and they go oh that's batman 100 and i go yeah but there's also things about those movies that almost feel embarrassed by the comics that they purposefully avoid as opposed to trying to embrace them. You know what I mean? So, so if you love the comics, if you're a comic book lover, I feel like it, you can love any version of Batman and, and any movie, but there is a side of like, well, do you feel like Christopher Nolan was almost insulting us a little bit? Because it's like he avoided trying to even do Robin, the boy wonder, you know? And it's a shame because I think Christopher Nolan is so talented as a director and as a storyteller that it's like, if anybody were to try to tackle that and make it cool, it could have been him. But instead he goes, no, that's dumb. I'm never going to do it. No, I'm never going to do Mr. Freeze. No, I'm never going to do, you know, Clayface. No, I'm never going to do Poison Ivy. Those ideas are dumb. They don't work in my world. And that's valid and that's cool. But again, I'm a comic book lover and I want to see that stuff as well. So, so you know, I, I think that to, to, to be a Batman fan and to go, that's the number one top of the mountain, nothing will be better. I feel like, well, you're, you're still kind of missing out on what the, those kinds of stories and characters and stuff can give you. Um, you know what I was no. going to say um, on Instagram, I follow so many artists highly recommend yeah. like it just makes Instagram better. But um, a lot of times they'll do an art challenge where it's like, draw this in your own style mm-hmm. and they'll take a character or something and then they'll draw it in their art style. And that's what I literally feel like all these films are. Yeah. It, like, let's just do Batman, but do it in your style or do it in this style or like, yeah, that's exactly you know? right. And I, and I feel kind of, uh, I feel like kind of a jerk sometimes too, because, because I think that that is a hundred percent accurate, Danny. And in that sense, I'm almost mad because I feel like there's never been a true Batman from the comics film in live action yet. Do you know what I mean? Because it has been so director driven it's been so like, no, do, do whatever you want. Put your own stamp on it. Put your own stank on it. Do whatever you want, however you want to. Versus like, I love these movies very much as well for different reasons or, or like the MCU movies. When I watched Ant-Man, I'm not thinking, man, 
Peyton Reed just wanted to do whatever he wanted to do with Ant. No, I'm like, no, this is Ant Man. This is this is the character from the comic books, or this is Captain America. And they didn't like try to f- get him to fit in a you know a square hole or whatever. They they were just like, let's just do everything that we can from the, the from the comic books and for better again or for worse because a lot of the MCU movies you you can watch them and you go okay who directed that I forgot because you don't sometimes feel the the artist or the storyteller that's been able to tell the story with those characters because it is so like no we got to stick to what our story is going to be we're building up to Thanos this is the plan this is what has to happen in this movie this is the character we're introducing in this movie and the MCU movies I think only really work the best the best when you have a director or a writer or both who can play ball who can be like okay if this is what you want for Thor, I'm Taika Waititi and this is my idea for what I want to talk about. Right. Cool. You know, okay, cool. Yeah. We're the Rousseau brothers and we'll play ball and we're going to do some like awesome action movies full of all your favorite characters. Like that's when I think it really, really works uh, the best. Or James Gunn being able to put so much heart into Guardians of the Galaxy that like it's better than any Guardians comics I've ever read, you know, because of all that heart. So, so on the one hand, I love the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher Batman stuff. It's fun. I love the the uh, Christopher Nolan movies. It's intense and serious and cool. Um, and I love things about the new DC films, especially like Birds of Prey. And I really like Shazam, you know, and I like Wonder Woman. But there's still sometimes this feeling of like, man, when are we going to get like the proper, like, just don't, don't bring on a director. Don't wait for a director to have their take. Why isn't there somebody over at Warner Brothers who's just like, we just got to do this. We got to do Batman. We got to do Superman. We got, you know, we're going to do all these characters to get this ball rolling. Um, but, you know, that's, that's not their... Their, uh, I guess, financial concern. That's not that's that's not something that they're they're interested in. And hopefully, this upcoming Robert Pattinson, uh, Matt Reeves Batman movie is uh, is super cool. And I'm sure it's going to give me a bunch of stuff that I can't wait to see. Um, while still being like, well, that's Matt Reeves' vision. That's his vision. Yeah. Again, if I want something that's like, what's just the pure like distillation of the character, I really do go to Batman the animated series. Superman, Batman Beyond, all the way through Justice League Unlimited. Like that to me is like, that's DC Comics pure. That's DC Comics pure. So um, we're going to get into, you kind of touched on the future of Batman, but we're going to get into that right after these messages. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. 
Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We are back. So before we hop into the future of Batman, we uh, Lego Batman. I think Hector, you said is your favorite Batman. It, movie. Pro- it probably is my single favorite, like theatrically released Batman film, um, because I think that for just like the first Lego movie, for being something that's so constrained by like having to be a movie about Lego. And having to, you know, fit into a bunch of different categories of like, it's a kid's movie. It's got, this has got to be the running length. This has got to, you know, all the stuff that's got to hit. We got to have some pop songs and all this other stuff. I think it also has, it's such a wonderful love letter to everything Batman and not just Bruce Wayne Batman. Like Barbara Gordon by Rosario Dawson, voiced by Rosario Dawson is fantastic. Um, Robin Dick Grayson, voiced by Michael Sarah, is like hilarious but also the relationship between robin and batman i'm like that's what i want now this is exaggerated for sure but that's what i wanted in a batman movie since chris o'donnell showed up and i didn't get it you know this this great like kind of father son and it's really weird and warped and funny and and the way that batman has a relationship with the joker where he's like i don't i don't i'd like to say i fight fight around i don't have one villain i'm seeing multiple bad guys right now like and the joker's heartbroken about it because he's obsessed with batman that's really what the joker is He's obsessed with this guy. Um, and there's so many great, like, just like, oh my gosh, Ray Fiennes as Alfred. Like, there's so many just great callbacks, and it's this great love letter. It's almost like Spider-Verse, where Spider-Verse is such a great story on its own, but it's also a great summary of what's so good about the character of Spider-Man, like, across decades. Everything that's good about the concept of Spider-Man is in that movie, Anyone Can Wear the Mask. And you cut to Lego Batman, and I feel the same thing with what is so great about Batman. Everything that can be great about the character, there's little references to it and nods to it. And 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 just the moment where he like shuns his new allies because he, he fears losing another family the way his parents were shot in front of him when he was a little baby Lego. I'm like, that's what Batman's all about. And it's and I have still wanted to see that in a live action movie, and I still haven't gotten it. Um, that psychology exploration is great. Hector, what I was going to say is um, when you started out at the top of the podcast, you were saying that you really like the stories of a self-aware Batman that explore like, why are you this way when you're a billionaire? Mm -hmm. And I felt like Lego Batman was really self-aware. Like it had to make fun of him a ton aside from it being a comedy. But like, I think that that's why it works in that world. Of course, we're going to be making fun of this billionaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and super fun. And like we said, like it kind of feels along the same lines of DC as Shazam, mm-hmm. um, just really playful. And so I feel like that. But could you do that, you think, in a live action? Well, it depends. It's like I think Shazam is a good example. Shazam is something that kind of makes fun of itself a little bit, uh, you know, um, while still trying to live in a world that is in the same movie franchise as like Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice and Suicide Squad and and all of these really serious and dark edgy movies. But Shazam makes fun of its own concept where, you know, uh, um, 
uh, Jaiman Hansu, who's the wizard Shazam, he's like, say my name, Shazam. And the kid laughs, right? He goes, seriously? Like, that's how you have to kind of treat some of these old school comic book concepts. And I think that movie gets away with it because it's from a kid perspective and all the main sort of characters are children. Um, I, I don't know if you could do what is done in Lego Batman like to that level in live action without it being really like a speed racer, colorful, you know, no holds barred 60s psychedelia explosion of, of fun and CG and green screen and stuff. But I think that if you chip away all of the surface level stuff for like the Lego Batman movie and you try to replicate a similar story, but with similar character relationships, you could do that in live action. You could do Dick Grayson being adopted and this origin of Robin. You could do Barbara Gordon being like, we don't need to, the police department doesn't have to work with Batman, you know, and then finding her own like vigilante path and and how the Joker is like that. All of that stuff is not forced on these characters. That stuff comes from the comic book lore. That stuff comes from those storytellers for Lego Batman, knowing the world and, and knowing how to kind of play with it. So, yeah. Before this episode, we asked y'all your favorite memories for Batman and y'all, uh, y'all did, y- y'all did it. Y'all did it. So uh, I'm going to go with this one from Kevin Fox Jr. Because uh, I actually, yeah, this one, and we talked about this not too long ago, but the static shock crossover with Batman Beyond. So good. We meet old head static. Batman and Selena uh, making out and Batman returns. Uh, Bruce and Diana kissing when undercover in an alternate universe and Justice League with the Justice Lord. Mm -hmm. To me, Batman and Selena Kyle, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, it's like that. It's them forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I don't like the Diana getting in there. Well, yeah, it was that that always I mean, we talked about this before, but that always just felt like such a weak one to me because it's like it's like. The strength is within, you know, Bruce soups and 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 uh, Diana being like friends you right. know and like working together like adding a love triangle just seems like you're just doing it because that's 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 what you do when there's two guys and a and a lady but really i feel like they're both all all of those people are honor students who would totally be like we've all you know sent uh, a colleague or something oh what's good and they're like well i don't sleep with anyone or date anyone <laughs> in my same scene and i was like you know that's a good hard and fast rule but also dang uh <laughs> i was gonna say selena actually ma- matches like they're both dark and yeah. they're like willing to kind of get dirty and not that that wonder woman isn't but she's so virtuous and like to be honest above him yeah um so she yeah i think like, the I, I think the only time that the wonder woman batman dynamic works romantically as is as well in the justice league cartoon they never really fully embraced it it was always sort of flirted with it was flirtation um, but I think yeah. that if you were to explore it, it's like the only way it works is if you try really, really hard to make sure to let us know Wonder Woman is out of his league. Wonder Woman is too good for him. And that Bruce Wayne becomes Wonder Woman's boyfriend, not that Wonder Woman becomes Batman's girlfriend. Because that's a tricky thing when you pair those those singular characters together. Or even when in the comic books, Superman and Wonder Woman dated, it's like, well, does that diminish anything from Wonder Woman? If you become Superman's girlfriend, does it take anything away from Superman? And I know the same sort of nerd combo was happening with Hulk and Black Widow in the MCU movies. And people were like, it sucks that Black Widow has to become like the Hulk's girlfriend. And it was actor Mark Ruffalo who said his own opinion. Where he's like, I've always felt like it was Bruce, Bruce Banner becoming Black Widow's boyfriend. Like he, you know, he's the one that sort of um, knows that he is uh, not good enough for her. 
Um, and uh, and that's how the dynamic is played. Now, could those movies have hit it harder? Absolutely. Could any cartoon show about Batman and Wonder Woman, you know, do a better job of? Th- sure, sure, sure. But I think that you're right, Danny. I think that in in the OTP conversation, Batman and Catwoman are the ones who should be kind of meant to be together. And that's why I really I like that little alternate ending, or at least alternate from the comics for the Dark Knight Rises, where Christian Bale ends up with Anne Hathaway. Like they they get to they get to be together and kind of retire. And because normally Batman does not get that happy ending. You know, normally, at least in my brain and heart, Batman Bruce yeah. Wayne ends up alone, an old man, 90 years old. And then that's where <laughs> Terry McGinnis, Batman Beyond, comes into the picture. And that's how that story is sort of. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. Like the whole thing with that story, right? He's just a lonely boy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> that would be like his. Uh, <laughs> that's like his login name. Lonely boy. <laughs> yeah. One lonely boy. Yep. Um, okay, so I have this next tweet. It's from Alec Kane. It says Snyder's um, zero year storyline. I got to experience one of the all time great Batman stories as it was happening month by month. Print issues from my favorite comic shop, which is no longer there. Um, Capullo's art was never better. Those colors were the stuff of dreams. Do you remember those? I recently read that for the first time, and I'm actually in the middle of it because it was kind of like a two part story. Zero Year is this new take on the origin that is it was happening in comics uh, a couple years ago now, and it takes everything across Batman lore, even from like the '60s show and you know the comics and the movies and different things, and tried to put it in this new, cool, updated, sleek uh, origin for Bruce Wayne. And it was dope, man. It was super, super cool. So that's really special that that uh, that that listener had has that memory of that comic because yeah, I just read it for the first time and it's really good. I need to I need to definitely read that. But I think while we're on it uh, and running out of time, uh, maybe we can talk about, you know, what are what are some what are some Batman reads that you recommend that you think uh, people should definitely check out if they want to learn more about the Doc Knight? Well, there's there's a couple, you know, just like everything, there's like tiers, there's tier levels of what's mm-hmm. good. And, you know, you know, and, and some Batman fans, and I don't disagree with this, will say any Batman comic is good. If you like Batman, you're just happy to spend some time with the guy and, you know, start anywhere and it's fine. But like, there's a lot of great comics that are entry level um, that have, have been kind of called baby's first Batman comic, which is still fine. Things like Batman Hush, Batman Year One, The Dark Knight Returns, of course. But The Dark Knight Returns, I think, works even better when you've spent a little bit of time with like regular Batman, and then you get the one where it's like, oh, he's old and grizzled and has to come back, and it's so cool. Um, What else do I really like? Honestly, Zero Year, the one we just talked about, was very good. I highly recommend parts one and two for Zero Year. And in fact, some imagery from that where like Batman's on a motorcycle, um, and he's got cool little, you know, gloves and gauntlets and stuff. Like some people were saying, that's that could be in the new movie. If this new movie, this Robert Pattinson movie, is going to be a younger Batman or early in his career, maybe a year or two into him being Batman, it could pull from a bunch of different inspirations, of course, a bunch of different sources, and and Zero Year could be a good one for sure. Ooh, I like that. I have a w- another tweet I wanted to read from a former guest, Tony Sanchez. She was on our. Um our America Chavez episode. She said, uh, when I learned that Batman 66 Joker was a Spanish Cuban actor named Cesar Romero blew my mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to shave his mustache. That guy, which is the, great. The strength, the mm-hmm. strength, the power. Um, yeah. So, so we promised that we would talk a tiny bit before we head out about the future 
So what do we know about this Robert Pattinson movie? Well, we we know that uh, Matt Reeves has written and directed it. We know that I think originally it was supposed to take place in the same continuity as the Ben Affleck Batman. And Affleck was going to play him. And then people were like, oh, well, if he's not going to do it anymore, if Ben Affleck has moved away from because Affleck was going to be directing it originally. Um, and, uh, and, and he even had a script that he wrote. And, and I think it was even recently in one of Ben Affleck's like interviews that he did with Variety or one of the big, you know, uh, um, like entertainment news sites or whatever, where one of his friends was like, Hey man, this is a great script, but if you do this, it will kill you because the last couple ones were brutal on you, dude, you got to take care of yourself was kind of the reason why he walked away from the role. Um, so I, I don't know how much of that sort of stayed with Matt Reeves and his new version of the movie. But what we know is this, it's Robert Pattinson. He's a young man, a younger version of the character. He's not old and grizzled. I don't know if it's going to be set in the past or if it's set present day. We know that Paul Dano is playing Edward Nigma, not revealed as the Riddler. So he might not be the Riddler, but just like the proto version of the Riddler, which again, he, that character proto version of the Riddler shows up in that comic zero year. We know that um, Zoe Kravitz is playing Selena Kyle. Will she dress up as Catwoman? Who knows? We know that uh, um, Andy Serkis is playing Alfred Pennyworth, which is really exciting, which is really cool. Jeffrey Wright, who is awesome, and y'all should follow him on Twitter. He's uh, righteously angry all the time. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is, <laughs> is playing uh, um, Jim Gordon. And so that right there tells you this is not the same continuity as the, as the previous DC movies because in the movie Justice League, J.K. Simmons showed up as Jim Gordon. Um, he showed up as as the Gordon that was working with that Ben Affleck Batman. So this is not the same universe. It's a completely new thing. And Michael Giacchino is doing the score. And we got a little tease of that with that little like uh, test footage of the costume that they revealed that was all red and Robert Pattinson's big eyes opened and we're like, whoa. So that's basically all we know about the movie. And they've also postponed or, or paused their production, obviously, because of coronavirus and uh, don't know when they'll pick it up again. So maybe the release date will be pushed. Who knows? Wow. Is, is Wonder Woman being pushed? Yes. That's, that's going to come out in August now. Some, no, I'm saying some stuff got pushed, pushed like Mulan. Who even knows when that's coming out? I know. And Fast and Furious 5.9, F9 a year. Yeah. Yeah. And James Bond. Well, Hector, thank you for joining us. Thank you so yeah, much for having so me. so much. I hope I did any kind of justice to barely, barely, barely scratching the surface of the iceberg that is Batman. I think we got just the tip of it. Um, but uh, it's always a pleasure to, to get to chat with you guys. And and uh, yeah, hopefully I didn't make too many people mad. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> You'll see, Ify. You're wrong. You will see. <laughs> Hector, where can everyone find you? You can find me I'm at home every single day now for the rest of my life. And I'm on Twitter at Hector is funny. And I'm on Instagram there as well. And uh, you should check out um, DC Daily, where I actually get paid to talk about DC stuff with a bunch of cool peeps over on um, on DC Universe. And we have just recently set up and have, have been going forward with doing DC Daily from our homes. So we're going to have a bunch of new episodes. And in fact, our first sort of test on this, we just talked about the movie Batman Forever. So that's going to be coming out on uh, on Monday as of this recording, two days from now. So it might already be out by the time you hear this, but you get to go to DC Universe and see us from our homes talk about the movie Batman Forever. And that was a blast because Batman's great. Ooh. Uh, it's me, your boy, uh, Ify, Ify Wadiwe, a.k.a. Ify Wadiwe, 
on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if D's on Twitch, which you can still see me. And, uh, you know, and of course we have uh, this week, we have a uh, super punch. So be tuning into that. We're keeping that going luckily from home and, you know, uh, wash your hands. Wow. <laughs> I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the things. Um, I'm really glad that we got this set up. And again, we're still playing around, tinkering around with our recording. But thank you to everyone for being patient. We really appreciate it. Um, as always, you can at Nerdificent and uh, Ify and I and Joel, uh, our producer, if you have something that you're dying for us to cover, you know, if it's something that you feel a lot of people love, that would be great. <laughs> I think sometimes we've gotten hit up about like, super 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 niche things and i'm just like yeah um we'll consider it uh <laughs> <laughs> if you guys if, if you guys ever end up talking about jackie chan adventures hit your boy up well that actually sounds cool, cool. no sometimes people will talk to us about like a board game mm-hmm. that like was made just in like the year 1989 and i'm like i I mean we can explore this lore uh i don't know like how how accessible it is to everybody but um yeah um and like we always say stay nerdy are you still searching for your perfect place to call home well now is the time to buy at fisher homes if you're looking to move in before the end of 2024 may could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end if you're hoping to move in even sooner fisher homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you where you can start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you then look no further than boston proper where styles are designed with you in mind so you can look and feel amazing no matter the day season or occasion at bostonproper.com you'll find fashion that knows you best for over 30 years boston proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique sophisticated clothing at affordable prices visit bostonproper.com today Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.